0: LeBron James' spat with a European soccer player that did not go the way that he thought. Why the San Antonio Spurs, who sit at 5th in the West, are actually shopping their two best players? Is that true? And we also work on answering a bunch of new listener DMs. Every single time I can, I will mention Ben Simmons. He is electric as a player, but even more so... I'm keeping an eye. I'm keeping an eye on when he shoots threes. And we saw the impossible. We got ourselves a Ben Simmons three-point shot sighting. It's only, I think, the (laughs) second or third time this year.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, Simmons, he hit a running 27-footer with two seconds left in OT uh, when they were down six against the Cavs, unfortunately.
0: Oh, you mean so at a meaningless time, he would shoot. Sure. (laughs) So let's recap. Clock's running down. Game is over, and he decides that's when he wants to try out a three as it expires. I think the crazy thing, though, when you see that is you almost forget because he never shoots, his form is really good. Oh, yeah, he's very smooth. There is no reason that Ben Simmons should not be out there. I know he has a much better shot than Russell Westbrook, no shade. Like, if Russell Westbrook is content to chuck up threes, Ben Simmons should be content to chuck up threes. His form is much better.
1: That'd be an interesting uh, three-point shootout.
0: I would love to see that. Yeah. How much would you pay to see that?
1: Like, that should be the all-star, like, halftime show.
0: The ugliest three-point shooters all go head-to-head. I don't want to see the best shooters. I already know they can shoot. I want to see Ben Simmons go up against Russell Westbrook one-on-one. Against Giannis, yeah, Giannis, Westbrook, who else? Ben Simmons, one more, Kemba.
1: Sure, let's throw Kemba. Yeah, let's good time to Kemba throw Kemba in
0: there. So this illustrates exactly what I've been saying about Ben Simmons all year. It's not that he cannot shoot. We saw that practice video when he was with his trainer, like maybe last summer or the summer before. Yeah, he can shoot. That that man has a stroke he just will not shoot will not some mental issue going on inside of his brain and that is a massive problem and it begs the question to me am i the only one that cares about ben simmons truly <laughs> you could call me a ben simmons hater but really like truthfully i'm the only one that keeps discussing this it's so weird It's so strange and bizarre, and yet somehow it's been normalized. Like the rest of society right now, tons of things that are totally outside the boundaries of what should be generally accepted practices, and yet we just go on and pretend that they don't exist is totally normal. Point guard doesn't shoot, will not shoot, has a mental hang-up, but it's okay. He doesn't need to. (laughs) What? What? It's okay. Playing guards don't need to do that. <laughs> and, and, like, the Sixers fans are so delusional that they have just made up so many excuses for him. Like, you know, Magic Johnson didn't shoot. Are you thinking that Magic Johnson isn't good? Like, John Stockton didn't shoot. Was, are, was he not good as a guard? By the way, folks. Let me just bust your bubble because you know who's saying that or people who are, like, below 25. They didn't see either of those players play. They've got, like, pixelated YouTube clips. Magic Johnson shot 35% from three his final four years in the NBA. John Stockton was a 38.4% lifetime shooter from three, and at one point until Joe Ingles just surpassed his record, he was the lifetime all-time three-point shooter in attempts and shots made on the Jazz. What are you talking about? And then what else do they say? Oh, he does everything else well. So, like, that makes up for his inability or we'll call it refusal, a, a blatant refusal to do a big part of his job. His defense is underrated, so who cares that he won't do this? Excuses, excuses, excuses. And you know who does not want excuses according to multiple articles because you know I went in right after that Ben Simmons 3, read a bunch of things about him. Ben Simmons doesn't want excuses, folks. He told ESPN his number one weakness is that he has to rely on other people to hold him accountable. He does not personally hold. He is such a perfectionist and needs people to push him to do the things that make him uncomfortable because he won't do that for himself. He's so afraid of failing. His perfectionism is such to an all-time high. He needs people to push him, to force him to (laughs) do things he does not want to do because he's not great at them. And so maybe his teammates are failing him. Maybe his coaching staff is failing him. Maybe his goddamn fan base is failing him and they just keep enabling this behavior gaslighting that these deficiencies don't matter. I'm sorry folks, they matter. That matters. We are just in the wrong. I am a hater. I am in the wrong for even making mention that he won't shoot. Every time it's like, "Oh, you're just trolling us. You're just No, no, folks. I'm not. I mean, I am, but I'm not." <laughs> ben Simmons knows this is a problem. You know how I know? Because he hired a sports psychologist to get him over that mental block, which has not happened. He hired a skills trainer to teach him to be comfortable shooting. That has not worked. He said, I could be one of those guys shooting 30% from three right now, but I would rather be one of those guys shooting 40%. I mean. Math. That's math for you. (laughs) He's so caught up, and I'm worried about being one of those Guards that can't shoot threes. I'm worried about being Rajon Rondo. I'm worried about being Russell Westbrook. So you know what? Fuck it. I'm just not going to shoot until I can shoot 50% from three. It's like you're never going to get there if you don't do it in the game, Ben Simmons. That's a fear-based. To me, that's a fear-based mentality. That's a mental Mm hang-up that is associated with perfectionism. Would you agree?
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's no doubt that there's some sort of block going on there for him. There's no doubt.
0: Because even if you shot 31% from deep, you are now a more dangerous team. Ask Giannis. Just one out of three. We know that Giannis can make a few, so we're not going to just let him shoot at will from three. Ben, do not be scared to fail. You are too good to be scared to fail. The sports psychologist said this, which was so... Incredibly important and also lets me know that his team, organization, and fan base is failing him. She says, If I was in charge of the Sixers, I would tell him, if you don't take a pull up jumper and a perimeter shot in every half, I don't care what your percentages are, you're sitting on the bench. A mental health expert who has a PhD <laughs> in this told Brett Brown and probably Doc Rivers that the blueprint to making Ben Simmons be a monster is to hold that man accountable. Carrot and stick. He already has the carrot. We all praise him. Oh, Ben Simmons, so great. Best defender in the league. There's no stick, except for me. Stick, stick, stick. (laughs) (laughs) You know? It's crazy. It's crazy. I promise you, though, Ben. I promise I will be there for you. I care about you. I will be there every step of the way to say, great game, Ben. Still no shooting. Sick three-pointer when nothing, literally zero, was on the line. Nice work. Where did you go in the fourth quarter, Ben Simmons? (laughs) Still hitting those hook shots, staying in your comfort zone, like you said, hard against the backboard, doing nothing that makes you uncomfortable. Literally, he said, I could shoot a three, but I could also hit this sick hook shot that I've been doing my entire life. I'm much more comfortable doing that. No shit. (laughs) So fans and Ben and Ben's sister, the PSA is this. You may hate me. You may call me Trista Bayless. You may say you're a fucking troll. But to me, this is tough love, and tough love, I'm ready for the smoke. I am ready for that because Ben Simmons could be one of the most transcendent players we've ever seen, or he can be a multi-all-star that looks back on his career and says, what if? What if I went outside of my comfort zone and would shoot? And truthfully, maybe I'm helping. Looking at his performances every time I go ham on Twitter, the first game back, He had a career performance, 42 points. I said, Ben, you're not efficient. And I know he saw it because his sister saw it. Wasn't efficient. I think he was 57% from the field that game, even after the 42-point performance. And it was like, how do you go 100% from the first quarter and still shoot less than 60% from the field when you're in the restricted area? And his sister tweeted at me, (laughs) went after my lips. And you know what happened the next game? Oh, my God, Ben Simmons' most efficient performance I've ever seen. (laughs) So I am going to continue to inflame. I am going to continue to poke the bear. I'm going to continue to take the smoke. You know why? Because I want the best for Mr. Balloon Hands. I'll be honest, when I saw this news, I didn't want to touch it. (laughs) I saw Zlatan say some shit about LeBron that seemed like it was bordering along politics. And you know, I mean, it wasn't bordering; it was just right there. And I was like, "No way, this is not making the rundown, folks. <laughs> I'm staying all the way away from this."
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you're talking about our boys, Latan uh, Ibrahimovic.
0: Yeah, man, best known in the U.S. for playing for the Galaxy. Uh, played in Sweden, <clears throat> saying outland. He also has been saying outlandish shit all the time. Yeah, he is uh, one of those people who has said egotistical comments galore. And what he said was about LeBron. This is what he said. I don't like it when players talk about politics. Do what you're good at, a.k.a. the sport that you get paid for, and stay out of politics. And there was no response at this time from LeBron. So I was like, you know what? Why even touch this topic at all? It's too hot. But LeBron is such a huge footy fan Dude is even a minority owner of Liverpool. Did you know that, Marty?
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember he used to wear like a Liverpool like crest and like post game stuff. So yeah,
0: yeah, was pushing for it. Last year's EPL champion, Champion League winner, hundreds of lists of the crazy things Laton has said over the years, ranging from "I can't ha- help but laugh at how perfect I am" to "When you buy me, you're buying a Ferrari, not a Fiat," or I forget what the other car that he was. So I was like, I was ready to move on, right? Yeah. And then someone fanned the flames, and they were like, "LeBron," which I love. I love when reporters know they're gonna they're gonna get an answer that's going to rock the airwaves. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever been in these moments, but like when it's you, your heart's just pounding because you know <laughs> you are about to set the internet ablaze.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can imagine. I can it's imagine like, the it's feeling.
0: Like, your heart is pumping. <laughs> okay, how do I get this out right? How do I say it perfectly where I'm not the one that gets flamed and I'm not the one that's (laughs) basically accused of inciting drama? Because that's what you're doing. Right. You know that you want an answer, and an answer that's going to transcend the internet. So they ask LeBron, hey, what do you think of Zlatan's comments? And what we got, my lord, was a two-minute slow-motion tomahawk Kobe dunk. Right on Zlatan. Nuts in Zlatan's face. <laughs> Aunt Edwards dunk in interview form. Play the clip.
2: At the end of the day, um, you know, I would never uh, shut up about things that's um, that's wrong. Um, I, I preach about my people, and I preach about, uh, you know, equality, um, social injustice, racism, um, you know, s- systematic uh, uh, voting, uh, voter suppression um, things that go on in our community, um, because I was a part of my community at one point and seeing the things that was going on. And I know the, you know what's going on still because I have a, a group of 300-plus uh, kids at my school that's going through the same Pause. thing. And-
0: when he says he has 300 kids for folks who are not up to speed, he's talking about the I Promise School that he founded, created, funded. A school where he pays for underprivileged kids. Their tuition, their breakfast, lunch, and snacks, food for the family for the pantry program, school supplies including a computer, a bike with a helmet, transportation for the kids within two miles, GED assistance for the parents, free college education for anyone who graduates. I mean, come on now. So when he's saying he's putting his money where his mouth is and he cares about his community, that's not all talk. Continue.
2: They need a voice. Um, um, and I'm their voice. I'm their voice and I use my platform to continue to shed light on everything that may be going on, not only in my community, but around the, uh, you know, this country and around the world. So Just pause. Um,
0: so this video alone at the time that I looked this up more than 3 million views. So when he's saying that his voice transcends, that's what he's talking about. Massive platform. Play again.
2: You know, if, if, if <laughs> there's no reason, uh, well, no, I not say no reason, but there's no way. Uh, I will ever just stick to sports because I understand how, um, you know, how this platform and how powerful my voice is. Um it's big fact. And he can just ask uh, Renee uh, Montgomery, uh, you know, if I would have shut up and just dribbled, um, seeing that beautiful black woman today, um, you know, be a part of a, a group um, where she's part of an ownership group now with the Atlanta Dream down in Atlanta. And uh, it's funny he say that because I believe in like 2018. Pause.
0: So, also, he talks about M- Renee Montgomery. That was in Atlanta. Also, LeBron in Atlanta worked with not only the Hawks, but multiple other NBA franchises to create voting centers inside of NBA arenas to stop voter suppression. And that's not voter suppression of any one particular group. That is, well, I mean, it is. But it's for everyone to <laughs> use. It is for what everyone to use. It's not like certain groups are kept out of those voting centers. That is not a political move. That is a patriotic move. Play again.
2: And he was the same guy who said uh, when he was back in Sweden, talking about the same things. Um, because his last name wasn't a certain last name that uh, he felt like it was some racism going on when he was out on the pitch. Um, right? He did say that, right? Yeah. I thought he was. I thought he said that. A so, pause. Um,
0: is LeBron going directly? Laton's head, because it appears that he is. He is calling him out on his bullshit. And what you don't see, because you're listening to a podcast, is (laughs) that on this video, which you can see, Marty, because you're playing the clip, he has a perfectly centered smirk on his face. While he's sitting shirt off, looking ripped as fuck. Just, did he say that? Because I think he said that. I was pretty (laughs) sure he said that. Keep
2: going. I speak from a very educated mind. Um, So um, I'm kind of the wrong guy to actually go at because I do my homework.
0: I'm kind of the wrong guy to go at, Zlatan, because not only do I do my homework, I complete the tests, I even teach the lessons, and I put my money where my goddamn mouth is. (laughs) Did he pull out receipts fast or what? Oh my god. Oh my god. Is that true? What did Zlatan actually say, Marty? What was what was LeBron referencing?
1: Okay, here's the full quote. He goes, uh, they the media still attacks me uh, because they cannot accept that I am Ibrahimović. If another Swedish player would do the same mistake I do, they would defend them. But when it comes to me, they do not defend me. This is about racism. I don't say there is racism, but I say there is undercover racism. This exists. I am 100% sure because I am not Anderson or Svensson. If I would be that, trust me, they would defend me even if I would rob a bank. But they're not defending me in the way that they should.
0: It doesn't seem like Zlatan is talking about soccer it doesn't seem like he's <laughs> staying in his lane about what he's good at seems to me that Zlatan is talking about race and racism exactly what he's saying LeBron should not be talking about in a different country that he is not a part of and is not fully aware of the dynamics in and guess what by the way as an aside do you know Marty who's Latan's hero is no, no idea. Muhammad Ali
1: oh. <laughs> is his
0: hero. I think consensus is that Muhammad <laughs> Ali is the most political athlete who has ever lived. I fucking hate hypocrisy so goddamn much. I was in L.A. when the Galaxy announced that they had signed Laton. I know that he's great. And I know he says a lot of stupid shit, too. Yeah.
1: When he took out the full-page ad that oh said, my God. you're welcome.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> when you say the kinds of things that Liz That Zlatan says, maybe it's you that should stick to just talking about your sport. Maybe for the folks who have other interests, are educated on other topics, and want to make an impact outside of the game, they can talk about other things. Maybe it's just you, Zlatan, that needs to follow your own goddamn advice. Because an articulate, educated, intelligent man should be able to talk about other things than just what he does for a living, especially when it gets people to get an ownership percentage of a new team, especially when more people are able to vote as a, per, uh, as a result, and especially when hundreds of kids end up going to college because he decided to fight for them. So maybe as yous, Laton, shh, be quiet. This league. Here's what we know. The Spurs are shopping. And they're not shopping to buy. It appears they're shopping to sell. Spurs are fifth in the West. But it looks like they're moving, maybe. They're two best players in LaMarcus Aldridge and Jamar DeRozan. That doesn't make sense, does it? To me? Does it make sense to you?
1: Uh, Aldridge, maybe. DeRozan, no. He's playing pretty well.
0: Aldridge does make sense because he's coming off the bench. But really, what are you going to be able to get for him? Right, yeah. No, in terms, terms of return, yeah. $20 million a year, and yeah. it's like... <laughs> I don't want that player. No. Uh so it doesn't make sense at first glance, but when you look closer, it kind of does. DeRozan and Aldridge both on expiring contracts. DeMar's making 28 million and Aldridge is making 21 and it appears, listen, I don't know what's going to happen, but it appears that neither guy is going to get a deal done to re-sign. And instead of losing them for nothing, they, the Spurs look like they're trying to move $49 million off the books right this second. Which says, possibly, maybe, they're also a buyer. They have $49 million in immediate cap space. The West, who knows how open it really is. Utah's running, ar- running away. A couple of LA teams. Who knows? Anything can happen. Just ask the Denver Nuggets, right? If they don't trade them now, they will lose them for sure for nothing. Damar is valuable. LaMarcus is not valuable. He probably won't receive another contract outside the minimum after this. He's going to be like a Hassan Whiteside, in my opinion. Go to like a place like Sacramento, chill out. Make <laughs> one point, Make $1.6 million a year after his massively inflated contract that the Spurs took on. And so as good as the Spurs can play – I think that they have to know to a degree they're not gonna win the championship this year, right?
1: Yeah, I mean no. Yeah. No. Not even worth talking about. They're
0: yeah. the best team yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. They're the best team <laughs> nobody is watching. No one. But they're also pretty fucking hot. They've mm-hmm. won twelve out of their last sixteen. DeRozan is averaging twenty five and seven. Aldridge has missed ten games this year with an injured hip. He's averaging fourteen five and two. So It's an interesting balance, right? Because fans are excited. They're like, oh, it's the first time in years we're going to go to the playoffs. Boom.
1: They got that new Fiesta Court design. Oh, my God.
0: I love that. (laughs) And the incentive is at this point just to hold on to players with expiring contracts, even if it's not the right move for them long term, because who knows how far we can go? We can't win, but who knows how far we can go? That's exciting for a fan base that has been down. Down bad. Down bad. So in addition to people now talking about the Spurs being sellers, there's also rumors that they might be interested in Porzingis. Did you hear that? Have you heard that?
1: No, I have not heard this rumbling.
0: Yeah, I've heard that the rumor is DeMar could be moved since he's rumored to have already turned down the extension with the Spurs. And I don't think R.C. Buford is going to let DeMar DeRozan walk for nothing. He might let LaMarcus Aldridge walk for nothing because you're not going to get much back. And they appear to be interested in Porzingis who the Mavs now have, also are shopping on the trading block. Can you imagine for a second? I know Chris Dapps has been very injured, but my slightly optimistic mind wonders how good Chris Stapps Porzingis can be working every day with Tim Duncan.
1: I do kind of love that. Right? Yeah.
0: It could be a reemergence. He would work really well in pop system too. Yeah. Immediately with like DeJounte Murray. Ooh. However, the Spurs are not also rumored to have a great training staff, ask why. So I'm not, I'm a little concerned <laughs> about the long term health prospects, uh, given that Porzingis is 25 with uh, as brittle as someone with like an 80, he's like an 85 year old woman body wise, <laughs> like just breaking down random elbows and knees, flying around. So, I don't know what this means for the Spurs. It's kind of a weird season. It's kind of a lose lose situation. I don't know if they're going to get a deal done with DeRozan. I I think they want to keep him, but they can't keep him. So, it's like, what do you do? It's like a standoff. Yeah. So, now you've got what you've got is like, what if you trade DeRozan, you don't get anything back, but you only get picks. Now your playoff chances are shot. I mean, you're really going to fall off a cliff. Imagine playing the Lakers or Jazz or Clippers in the first round. I mean, you're just going to get incinerated. Just
1: smoked, yeah. Can't
0: coon on three. So now what you've got is like a meek, mild Spurs organization walking around like the NBA neighborhood with Aldridge and DeRozan in their shopping carts like, hey, hey, uh, hey, are you interested in a uh, shooting guard who uh, doesn't like to shoot jumpers outside of 15 feet but scores 20 a game? I mean, he does make $28 million a year, but you have his bird rights in six months from now, you know? That's good. Or maybe, hey, if you don't want him, maybe I can tempt you with a gimpy 35-year-old power forward center who likes to shoot the three, six-time all-star. Broken, a little bit broken and hobbled, but he can come off the bench for you, shoot a corner three, he does make $20 million a year. <laughs> Don't listen to Zach Lowe when he says no one is high on Aldridge and DeRozan. These guys are priced to move. <laughs> Folks, all of this to say, this is much ado about nothing. This news story, these guys are staying put, right?
1: That seems like the most likely scenario.
0: Good for Spurs fans. Good for the NBA fans in general. They haven't sniffed a playoff in three years. Good for popping the franchise, I mean, but very sad for R.C. Buford, who's going to let two guys that get paid a lot of money walk for nothing in return, and they're still going to get bounced in the first round regardless. So NBA purgatory, what a tough place to live, but it's part of the business, huh? I always try to get us different songs for the question segment. <laughs>
1: I like it. Uh, well, before we get into the DMs, uh, I have a question for you. Uh, I saw uh, Brandon Tierney tweet the following question, and I wondered uh, what your reaction was. Uh, he wrote, All right. Legit question. At his absolute apex, was Chris Bosh ever better than peak Julius Randle? I guess he means Julius Randall right now. And then he ended that with, The answer is no. <laughs>
0: uh, be- every time you see someone in the media say legit question off the top of their tweet, it is not a legit question because they know it's jokeville. <laughs> hence, the reason they have to qualify it with "I'm being dead ass serious" because this is a joke hypothetical. Throw it out. Uh, anybody actually thinking about this debate probably didn't watch Chris Bosch as a Toronto Raptor. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Or forget.
1: Yeah. Or yeah. Or forgotten. forgot. Yeah.
0: Because. Chris Bosh was a monster. Monster in his, because we're talking about peak Chris Bosh?
1: Yeah. All all NBA first team. All NBA
0: first team. Player efficiency rating, let's talk about that. In his prime, his player efficiency rating was only surpassed by, this was right before he went to the Heat, only surpassed by Kevin Durant, D-Wade, and LeBron. That's it. That's it. That's elite company, folks. That's the complete list. This guy had a true shooting percentage of 60% as a man who was 7 feet tall. What? 6'11", won the shooting skill game at the All-Star game three years in a row. Quickness, high basketball IQ, could play lockdown D at his size, could switch everything, had an insane postgame, could pass 11-time All-Star. How many games? Uh, how many All Stars has Julius Randle made?
1: Uh, one, which is ten less than Chris Bosh.
0: Yeah, one. <laughs> one. Also,
1: he uh, he was All NBA second team. He wasn't first team. That was a mistake on my bad.
0: So Knicks fans are literally dancing in the streets because Julius Randle is pulling up uh, them up from the depths of hell and James Dolan is the worst owner in sports, and so any bit of something they're clinging to, you are our, you are our messiah, Julius Randle. You're better than anyone ever. <laughs> but come on now. Can we just please keep things into perspective and put some respect on Chris Bosh's name? Because it's just, I, it's inexplicable. I almost don't have words for this. The year that he formed a super team with Bron and Wade, right before he went to the Heat, which we will call his prime. We already talked about his uh, player efficiency rating. Bosch had a higher player efficiency rating, true shooting percentage, more win share, better rebounding percentage, better blocking percentage, better turnover percentage, and average more points than Randall this year. <laughs> wow. I'd say that's pretty damning. He obviously redefined—if uh, you're not, if you're like a young millennial, you don't know this, but Chris Bosh redefined what it meant to be a big in the NBA. If he was healthy right now at 36, he might be better than Julius Randle right now. That's a tough take. It's debatable. <laughs> it's debatable.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I love Julius Randle, but yeah, I mean, he came into the league at a really important time, like kind of a crossroads for big men, and he just bridged the gap. Better than really— Almost anyone? anyone. Just about anyone. If Chris Bosh
0: was in his prime right now, he'd be averaging 30 and be a top player in the NBA.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prime Bosh. Like 25-year-old Bosh. 25-year-old Bosh in
0: 2021 would be a monster. Killer. Killer. The NBA is tailor-made for his game right now, and he was a part of making it what it is right now. So let's put it another way for fans who don't seem to get my message. Would the Knicks right now be better with prime Bosh – than they are with Prime Randall. Yes. Because Bosh is who you guys thought. And salivated. All over. Chris Stapp's Porzingis. He's a better version of what you hoped. Chris Stapp's Porzingis would be. Which you thought was going to reinvigorate. And turn your franchise around. Would. Julius Randall be on anyone's super team. Ever. Would you ever form a big three. Including Julius Randall. The answer is no. Is there any ESPN special. Focusing on where Julius Randle is going to go in free agency? The answer is also no. Please put some respect on Chris Bosch's name.
1: Yeah, no, uh, glad I got your response on that one. Okay, uh, so next up we have uh, what's the worst signing your team has ever made in your NBA career?
0: It was a good question. So I would say it's not one signing, it was one year. Do you remember when the MBPA basically strong armed the NBA? To not smoothing the salary cap curve. And it just spiked up randomly. That 2016 2016
1: summer? Yeah. Yeah. The year
0: (laughs) that Kevin Durant got to go to the Warriors in a fleecing because it was one opportunity where the cap had spiked up like crazy. Mm -hmm. So it's going to go down. 2016 is going to go down as maybe one of the worst free agent signings for any team ever. yeah. Yeah. Why? Well, we had. With Portland Trailblazers, it was the worst for us. Salary cap spiked, and we got Myers Leonard for forty-one million dollars. Allen Crabb, four years, seventy-five million dollars. Do you even? Does any casual fan even know these players? Evan Turner, not in the league right now. He is a coach for the Boston Celtics. Four years, seventy million dollars. Let me do a little quick math for you, folks. Leonard, Crabb and Turner cost the Blazers. million in 2016 of dead money. Just, that was five years ago, and we were stuck. Stuck. Crabb and Turner, not even in the league right now. That tells you how bad those signings were. That was maybe the worst signing the Blazers have ever had. They call that the year of the albatross. They say that Blazer GMs, that Neil O'Shea has a little 2016 post-it note on his refrigerator, like, Remember, remember 2016, how bad that was, how long that took you to come out of. And you have to say, how incredible was it that that team, that team without Alan Crabb because we traded his ass, that that team with Evan Turner and Myers Leonard and those Albatross contracts, somehow, some way, we went to the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> how? <laughs> how is that possible? <laughs> That's insane. Let's talk about Evan Turner for a second. Evan Turner averaged 10.5 points, 4.9 rebounds, and 4.4 assists when he played in Boston. And he averaged 18 in Philly. So the Blazers gave him four years and $70 million. By the way, we struck out on Hassan Whiteside. Couldn't get him. Mm -hmm. Could not get Chandler Parsons. Struck out on him. So we chose Evan Turner as like, well, we got all this money. We got all this money, we got to spend it.
1: Yeah. Boston so Boston media has been hyping him up.
0: Boston yeah. media's been talking about how good of a team guy he is for the culture. Fuck Boston media. So Blazers gave him 4 years and 70, knowing that he couldn't shoot 3-point shots as a wing, which I, as you know, Marty, absolutely <laughs> hate. Not knowing how they were going to fit, how he was going to fit into the offense. And you know what he averaged for us? 8 4 and 3. 70 million dollars. For eight, four, and three? 25 minutes a game for that? And I tell you what, thank God Evan Turner had the best game seven of his entire career against the Denver Nuggets when we won because we could ship his terrible contract out the door with Myers Leonard the very second that we possibly could. So 2016's got to be the worst. Got to be
1: uh okay uh next up uh i think this might be the last one too uh we've got uh what's your personal favorite slash top nba moment of your childhood or life
0: i think this kind of goes back to what i was just saying the 2019 was that the year 2019 yeah trailblazers we had dame we had cj we picked up hoodie hoodie was like Mm -hmm. a broken man he had been with LeBron in Cleveland, didn't really know his role. And he even said that Damian Lillard shepherded him. And, like, you know, he was his, like, baby calf. He, like, fed him milk <laughs> and took him to the gym every day and, like, was a mentor to him. And all of a sudden, Hood turns back in to this real wing player for us. We had an undersized four and Mo Harkless. We had Myers Leonard, who was, ugh. We had Zach Collins, who was a rookie. Yusuf Nurkic goes down with, like, one of the most freak leg injuries I've ever seen. Grotesque. Mm-hmm. Like a Gordon Hayward-esque. We had Al Farouk Aminu, who was like, sometimes he could shoot and make 12 threes in a game, and sometimes he would go zero for 30. Like, that was that was chief for you. And it was just all chemistry. They all loved each other, right? So... I knew as this team went on, like, they could possibly – they had a chip on their shoulder, right? Everybody said this team couldn't do shit. We played Oklahoma City in the first round, and everybody said, even though we were a higher seed, that Oklahoma City was going to take us out, just like the New Orleans Pelicans did. They make quick work out of us, right? Right, yeah. And then, and then oh, my God, the Dame Lillard crossover, iconic, bye-bye-bye, send home. And I knew at that point we were, we were hot. I was in Nashville at that time when the bye-bye-bye thing happened. Yeah. And I was w- working the NFL draft, and I would walk around to everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye. <laughs> just like insufferable as a Trailblazers fan. <laughs> just awful. <laughs> so then I go on a trip. I go to Bali where, where it's like 15 hours ahead of Portland time. And game seven rolls around. We're playing the Nuggets. And we're down like 17 in game seven. And it's 3 a.m. Bali time. <laughs> and I have no interest in watching my Blazers die a slow death in Game 7. But I had been watching every game live. I had a little VPN. was rocking it, had, watching my phone, streaming wherever I was. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, I'm not going to watch this at 3 a.m. This is exa- exactly how Blazer games always end. We play great for six games, and then we shit the bed, go home, try again the next year, right? So I fall back asleep, and then I hear, CJ for three, and the Blazers take the lead. And I'm like, what? So I wake up, and Evan Turner's, Balling CJ's balling games, ice cold, but everybody else is doing everything. It's like, oh my god, yes, could we possibly move Evan Turner? Yes, we can. This is the time, he's gone. He's this boy's gone. Even if we don't win, everybody's gonna look at Evan Turner and Myers Leonard and be like, oh, he's so great. We're so great. <laughs> they didn't watch all the like Tuesday night games when they went right, like one for 17. Oh my god, and then another part was I got back from Bali and I was at going to a wedding in Portland. So I got a credential. So I grow up in Portland. Been going to games, Blazer games, my whole life. And I get to cover the Western Conference Finals in my hometown. I showed up at like 4 p.m. Game was <laughs> tip was at 7. I just wanted to like be there, right? I just wanted to like stand on the court. Just be there. Like soaking it all up. And then I saw everyone along the way on my path to media. I saw the SID for Portland State, who was the first sports information director for my very first gig in media when I was a sideline reporter. He was there working stats. My radio broadcasting teacher from high school, he was there working the PA. Like it was just – and they had put up the poster of Dame inside the tunnel with the bye-bye-bye. They had already done it. It had only oh, happened really? two weeks ago. <laughs> it was just like plastered everywhere. And I got a little misty eyed. I was like, "Oh my god, I've come so oh, yeah. far." Oh yeah. We got we got swept, but it was game 3 and it's okay cuz I got to enjoy that. I got to stand on the court as a fan. And it's tough to be a fan of your own team and work the game because mm. then you're like, you're on the edge of your seat and you want to be like, "Ah!" but you can't cuz there's no no cheering in the press box. You're right. just like sitting there on the edge of your seat. Iconic 2019 Blazers. Oh my god. What was your favorite moment?
1: Ooh let's see uh probably in 2010 uh after I mean we had battled with the Spurs like basically the entire 2000s and they had always gotten the better of us and then in 2010 we played them in the second round after we beat Portland actually in the first round with Brandon Roy and we go and sweep San Antonio to go to the West Finals (gasps) that uh, uh that Dragic game in game three where he scored like 25 in the in the fourth I think uh that one was pretty special. Getting it back against the Spurs was pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, rivalry games, and you can finally come back after your rivals. Yep. it's something else. It'd be like if uh, Portland swept the Lakers after like uh-huh. a- after the 2000 you know Western Conference Finals. Incredible. Great and this story.
1: was and this was still like I mean like I don't want to say prime, but it was still like Parker, Manu, Duncan, and uh, I would
0: say that's still prime.
1: Yeah, ish. And yeah, we just went in and steamrolled them. It was awesome. Woo!
0: That's all the time that we have for this league. Please subscribe. I'm getting DMs of people unsubscribing and resubscribing, by the way, folks. So please do that. Please unsubscribe, resubscribe, rate, review. By the way, there's a lot of trolls hating in the review section, so please bring my ratings up. It's either five stars or one stars. I need a little more fives because right now I'm sitting at like a a two-and-a-half rating, which is fine. It's mostly due to the Ben Simmons hate, but it does make a huge difference for us, all of us. we also have this league hoodies on sale in the Barstool store. More merch will come. Please and thank you. We will be back Friday morning.
2: Get the champagne ready. The NBA Finals are here. Welcome to the NBA Finals. Let's raise our glasses and our rings to the two phenomenal teams left standing. My goodness! Here's the high-stakes action, to thrilling moments we can't miss. He ties the- crowning our next champion. Here's a toast to the NBA Finals. The 2024 NBA Finals presented by U2 TV continue on ABC.